Good evening. Welcome to the Thursday, September 22nd, 2022 Planning and Design Commission meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Yes, thank you. Commissioner Boyd? Here. Excuse me, here. Commissioner Buckley is absent this evening. Commissioner Chase? Here. Commissioner Coville is also absent this evening. Commissioner Lindsay? Here. Commissioner Macias Reed? Here. Commissioner Pluckybaum? Here. Commissioner Yee? Here. Commissioner Young is absent, as is Chair Hernandez, so we'll go to Vice Chair Wallace. Here. You have a quorum. Thank you, Stacia. Uh, this meeting is virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand, click the raise your hand button to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. Uh, if you're online, click on the raise hand button on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, should I read this or should I not read this? <laughs> I'll read it. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. And if you are calling in via telephone to raise your hand, um, dial star nine. Then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You have three minutes to speak once you are called on. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Um, we're gonna start with the land acknowledgement and the Pledge of Allegiance. Sorry for that sound. <laughs> um, <clears throat> please rise for the opening acknowledgments and honors of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Potwin-Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. Okay, our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Madam Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you. We currently have no members of the public with their hands raised. All right. Thank you. Um, are there any commissioners who would like to speak on the consent calendar? So Bob Chase has his hand raised. I was muted. I move approval of the consent calendar. Anyone want to second that? Commissioner Lindsay, second? I will second. Thank you. Thank you. 
thank you, commissioners. Please unmute your vote. Your please unmute and turn on your video for roll call vote. Thank you, Commissioner Boyd. Aye. Commissioner Chase. Aye. Commissioner Lindsay. Aye. Commissioner Macias Reed. Abstain. Commissioner Pluckybaum. Aye. Commissioner Yee. Aye. Vice Chair Wallace. Aye. It looks like we will have to carry over the minutes to the next meeting. We only have six votes. Oh, that'll be fun next time. Yes, Thank you, Stacia. Um, <laughs> next, we have um, the director's report. And I have no items for the director's report this evening. Okay. And then um, we have another um, uh, item. It's not to the agenda, but we actually have a request for items four and five, if not mistaken. Um, would like to continue to next week's meeting or the next meeting on October 13th. Um, those are the um, Bruceville Road, 7909 Bruceville Road and the 1717 Avenue items. Uh, these require a vote of the commission because the, some, the requests were submitted after noon yesterday. Do you have anything else to add to that, Stacia? No, just I would say that staff doesn't have any objection, supports the continuance. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Pluckybaum. Do we need to take public comment before we make a motion? I'm not sure. Uh, that's a good question. I would <laughs> ask the city attorney. Hello, this is Jeff Parr from the city attorney's office. <clears throat> you can make the motion and ask for any public comment on the motion to continue. I'll move to continue the two items, four and five. Thank you, Commissioner Pluckybaum. Uh, Commissioner Yee. You are muted. <laughs> Joe, you're on mute. <laughs> As I should be. Uh, uh, where does the request for continuance uh, originate? The request for continuance came from the applicants of each item. Okay, from the applicants. Yes. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. We need a second. I'll second. Thanks. Um, can we take a roll call vote then? Yes. Commissioner Boyd. Sorry, the wrong button. Aye. Commissioner Chase. Aye. Commissioner Lindsay. Aye. Commissioner Macias Reed. Aye. Commissioner Pluckybaum. Aye. Commissioner Yee. Aye. Vice Chair Wallace. Aye. Motion passes. Thank you, Stacia. All right. Okay, then. Now I've got to move my mouse around and find the right item. Uh, okay, uh, item number three is the Bell Avenue Commercial Center, P20016, notice 99-2022. Uh, are there any recusals or disclosures from the commissioners? All right, seeing none, uh, we have a staff presentation. Jose? 
Good evening. Commissioner Scott, can you see my screen? Perfect. Good evening, commissioners, Vice Chair Wallace. My name is Jose Quintanilla, Associate Planner with the Community Development Department. I hope you're all doing well this evening. This item is P20016 Bell Avenue Commercial Center, which is a request to construct a retail site with a retail and office building and two drive-through restaurants. The subject site is located at the southwest corner of Bell Avenue and Rayleigh Boulevard in the Young's Height area of North Sacramento. There is currently a single unit dwelling and a vacant commercial building on the site. Both buildings are to be demolished for construction of this project. The site is surrounded by residential development to the west and south, gas stations to the north and northeast, and an industrial office park to the east across Rayleigh Boulevard. A portion of the Cat Bell Alley, which is the alley between Catherine Avenue and Bell Avenue, was abandoned by a city council action earlier in the summer. Uh, the portion of the alley that was abandoned is highlighted in red on the map shown on screen. I have also overlaid the plans on Google Earth uh, shown on screen, and I can pull this up during the presentation if you need further context or you don't want to look at the plans in relation to the you know, adjacent uses. So the required entitlements for this project request include the following, a reason of, of approximately 0.34 acres from R1, which is single unit residential to C2, which is general commercial zoning, a conditional use permit for two drive-through restaurants, and site plan and design review for the construction of the two drive-through restaurants and an office and retail building and associated site improvements. The first requested entitlement is a rezone, which would rezone two of the six parcels comprising the subject site from R1 to C2. The remaining four parcels are currently zoned C2R, which allow the proposed uses. The R1 zone does not allow the proposed uses and thus the, the reason for the rezone. The second request is for a conditional use permit to construct the two drive-through restaurants. The C2 zone requires conditional use permits for drive-through restaurants. The office and retail uses are allowed in the C2 zone by right. The CUP process, which is used to evaluate the possible impacts that this project can have on its surroundings. So this project is, consists of a two-story office and retail building, a 3,150 square foot drive-through restaurant, and a 2,670 square foot drive-through restaurant. The project site will be separated from the existing residential uses at the west by a minimum six foot tall CMU wall, as well as a landscape strip. A three foot tall CMU wall will screen the drive through drive aisles from the adjacent rights of way. There are several seating areas proposed on the site, including seating areas for the restaurants and for the workers in the office, in the office use at the second floor of building B. The project proposes three driveways, a right-in, right-out driveway onto Bell Avenue, a right-in, right-out driveway at Rayleigh Boulevard, and a full-movement driveway on Catherine Avenue. So in the case of this project, the drive-through operations were analyzed, and that included the vehicle stacking space, so it's the number of cars that can, that can be in the drive-through drive lane at one time, um, as well as the internal circulation to ensure that these drive-throughs do not impact the internal circulation and that there is no spillover of these, of these vehicles waiting in the drive-through onto the, onto the right-of-way. The final requested entitlement is for site plan and design review for the construction of the two-story office re and retail building and the two drive-through restaurants. The proposed buildings are highly articulated with tower elements visible at all three buildings and a variety of materials, as well as a high amount of transparency. The buildings are compatible with the surrounding neighborhoods, which consists of one and two-story buildings as well. There are no deviations to standards uh, requested. 
notification of this project and this hearing were provided to all neighborhood associations, restaurants, and property owners within 500 seat of the site. Staff received comments expressing opposition to the project, including concerns about the driveway along Catherine Avenue, the homeless population, traffic concerns, and questions about alley maintenance. Staff also received questions about potential tenants, as well as just general questions about the project. Uh, the commission did receive um, e-comments from a neighbor who voiced concern about current traffic issues in the area and being made worse with the new project, specifically, specifically cars cutting through the adjacent residential neighborhood. Uh, staff can put residents, uh, interested residents in touch with uh, Public Works traffic investigation staff to discuss some potential solutions to any existing problems. My email address is on the agenda and at the end of this presentation, I encourage any neighbors or interested parties to reach out to me if they'd like more information on this process. So staff recommends approval of the project as conditioned and recommends that the Planning and Design Commission pass a motion recommending that the City Council approve the project as conditioned as there are no deviations requested. The project develops an underutilized site. It diversifies land uses in the area, especially through the provision of much needed commercial services in this part of the city. And lastly, it is consistent with North Sacramento Community Plan Land Use Policy NS LU 1.27, which encourages neighborhood serving retail at this intersection and the full text of that policy is shown on screen. Uh, that concludes my presentation. Staff and the applicant team are here should you have any questions. Thank you, Jose. Do you have any quick commissioner questions for staff or the applicant? Commissioner Reed. Um, thank you. I um, have a question about operating hours. Can you confirm uh, what the anticipated operation hours are? And then is it, uh, I believe it said it was a three foot buffer wall um, that was going to be included um, in between the, the drive through lane and the adjacent um, single family housing. Can you confirm, um, is that the standard? Um, and the three foot, um, or is there a possibility to increase that height up to six feet? And then uh, what is the proposed material for that, um, for that barrier? Okay, yeah, so the, the first question about the operations, so that is, those are, those drive-throughs are proposed to be 24 hours. The only instance, at least by code, where we restrict hours are when the parcels are di directly adjacent to two residential uses. But in this case, the, this is gonna be, this is the, the lot merger that will be completed for this project. So you have the two, the, the two drive-throughs would be on lot A and lot C, which um, are surrounded by public right-of-way on all sides and lot B as well. Um, and as for the wall, there is a, so there's a six foot wall separating the entire property from the residential and that's CMU. So a uh, concrete masonry unit, and a, there's a three-foot tall wall. Um, I, I'm only showing the, 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 the one along Catherine, but it, the conditions of approval require it for, for the entirety of the drive-through lane, so it would be on Bell, on, on Rayleigh, and Catherine. Um, it, is, it might be possible to increase it to four feet because this is in the, in the front setback area, and we likely wouldn't in, uh, allow anything that is not permeable in the, in the area or at least in, in this setback area. And that, that is also proposed to be a CMU as well. Okay, thank you, Jose, I appreciate that. That was all. 
Uh, Madam Clerk, do we have any public speakers on this item? Oops, I'm sorry. I have staff. <laughs> are those for motions or are those for questions, guys? <laughs> yes. <laughs> do we have any speakers from the public on this item, Madam Clerk? Yes, we do have one hand currently raised. Our first speaker is last four digits. Eight three seven nine. Hi, good evening. Uh, I am Vicki Laughlin. I live at uh, 1524 Catherine Avenue. I'm all for development. My concern is the 24 hour drive through restaurants. The smell is going to be horrendous um, from the food. And we are, and it's just on the north side of the 80 near um, Del Paso Heights. We've got a huge homeless crowd in our area. Um, and that, that's just going, for 24 hours, that's just going to be a breeding spot for homeless and for, for drug deals and people just hanging out there. We're, it's a very small street. We have absolutely no sidewalks. Uh, one car can barely, can can barely get by. So my only concern is the 24-hour restaurant. Other than that, I'm, I'm for um, the development. Thank you for your comments. Chair, we have no additional speakers. Thank you, Madam Clerk. All right, going back to uh, Commissioner, are there any commissioners uh, motion or comments? Uh, I think we'll start with, um, I think I saw Commissioner Pluckybaum first. Sure, question for staff and then a question, um, I think, to the applicant. Um, one of the commission, uh, excuse me, one of the conditions of approval, one of the um, draft conditions um, says the um, applicant will uh, prohibit uh, traffic from going on to Rayleigh Boulevard. I think it's uh, A11. The applicant property owner shall ensure that delivery truck shall not enter or exit from the, the site from Rayleigh Boulevard. How, how is that happening functionally? Uh, what, what is the applicant just required to do that as a condition of approval, or is there some physical thing that would prevent delivery trucks from going that way? I believe that is, is that a public works condition or is that a planning condition? I believe that's public a, works. Yeah. Public works. Works. I'll have, I'll have a Zara with a public works answer that. Not seeing anyone from Public Works there. Um, I believe yeah, that uh, Zara's in the. Um, is she in the attendees? In the attendee, and I just offered to promote her, so she just needs to accept the request. While she's working on that, uh, the question for the applicant is. Um, uh, per the, the concerns of the caller, is there uh, an amount of operational uh, hours that would be sufficient for the project less than 24? So up to midnight, 1 a.m., is there some other number that would be uh, acceptable? Uh, yeah, the, this is Julio Tina Harrell from Milestone Associates with the design firm for the project. And uh, yeah, we, um, he does, the owner, the applicant 
does not currently have a tenant, so we kind of just went for the, you know, 24 hours. But most likely, our experience working on fast food restaurants, uh, they typically do close at 11 or maybe new, I mean, midnight on the weekends, maybe Saturday and Sunday. So, so the owner or the applicant is open to to adjusting that, but we we are thinking that when the actual tenant improvement for the specific user is submitted at that point, that would be addressed. Um, do you, would would it, so if we were to condition the project say um, to be closed between midnight and six a.m. Would that work? Yes. Okay. Is the person from excuse me Public Works on? Good afternoon, Sarah Laxon from Public Works. Yes, that condition regarding uh, non-access on Rayleigh Boulevard is a uh, part of the conditional use permit uh, provided for the project. So it goes with the use of, of the site. How is that condition um, affected? Is there some physical improvement to the site that would prevent uh, traffic from going that way? Or it's just something that well, you know, we would have the, to monitor and enforce? Well, both. So the driveway is going to be designed with a pork chop. So it makes it difficult for large vehicles to be able to maneuver in and out. And also we are only giving them, we're giving them the smallest, the narrowest driveway width allowable for a commercial driveway, which is 16 feet. And, and that by itself is very difficult for trucks to get into. Excellent, thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, Commissioner Chase. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I guess a question for Jose and the applicant. Uh, one of the comments that came in was uh, certainly questioning the uh, uh, the access from uh, uh, Catherine Avenue. Um, given that there are you know residents on the south side all all the way from Rayleigh Boulevard into where that access is, has there been any discussion uh, with the uh, 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 between the city and the applicant about uh, eliminating that particular um, uh, access uh, point from from Catherine Avenue. Um, there was there was there were discussions initially, you know, when the, the project first came in, but we didn't pursue it any any further. Um, there was a traffic study done, and I'll have Public Works talk you know touch on that if there were any recommendations or if it analyzed all three driveways and what the concerns are, if any were present i mean the, the other two driveways certainly uh from uh Rayleigh boulevard and uh, uh bell avenue you know I, I think makes sense and those are fine uh you know the the catherine avenue certainly is a by definition a residential street on the south side and uh, there are a number of houses that would be impacted uh, you know if there was any way to modify that uh, I, I would certainly want to see that happen i do see though that the way the uh Particularly if Building C becomes a you know is a fast food, which it likely will be, um, I think the only way that cars are going to be able to come out of that, if we look at the uh, the exit drive from that fast food, there's not enough ability. It's too tight a turn to make a right and go back, head back north to get out of the site. So right now, the only way to get out of that is going to be coming out of the drive-through lane, make a right, come around, and exit onto Catherine Avenue which could put you know, quite a few cars onto that street uh, in the residential area. Um, 
that's why I question it. I mean, I, I would certainly like to see, uh, you know, other access, something other than that happen. But I'll, I'll leave that up to comments from other commissions as well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, forgive me. I, I, you, I don't remember if Commissioner Yee or Commissioner Lindsay was next. So I guess we'll go with Commissioner Yee. I, I believe it was Commissioner Lindsay. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you, Vice Chair Wallace. Um, the caller, who was a resident, um, expressed concerns about loitering and uh, illegal camping and illegal activities. Um, can the applicant address what type of security measures will be implemented to ensure that this does not occur on this uh, particular site? Yes, <clears throat> excuse me, this is Julio again. So um, um, as, as conditioned, we're required to provide the site monitoring system for both security and for loitering. So we will have a, a system that's gonna be monitored with um, local police departments as required and conditioned. Um, so that's how we're gonna be uh, monitoring and trying to um, control any loitering that may happen on that. So is, is that um, a, a camera system or will you have- Right, so just like we do on most of these commercial developments now, there's cameras that take pictures coming into the site, any, all the vehicles coming into the site, um, any um, out, the outside cameras that monitor the parking lots and the seating areas to make sure that there is no loitering and then in the back of the site, so there's, there's nothing in the back. So it's monitored um, with cameras. I mean, if it becomes an issue, there, the applicant is open to, you know, having, you know, security or um, actual guards, but we don't, we don't know that until access actually gets developed, but that would be an, another option. Right, so who, who is monitoring um, the camera footage? So they're connected to the sheriff department um, and also the owners have a security office that monitors the site. Okay, and if um, somebody, a resident or somebody has an issue, is there a, a number where they could, not just uh, call the police I, department or the sheriff, but is there a number that they can call? I believe they have, I believe they have, we're required to put signage up or um, numbers, listing the number if there is an incident that they need to call in. Uh, I'm not, that's part of the security monitoring um, program, but I don't have the specifics of that. Okay. But I know that that is uh, an option. Okay, well, th thank you. That's all I have. I think we might have some more clarification from Jose. Thank you, Vice Chair Wallace. Um, so part of the conditions of approval on the conditional use permit uh, definitely touch on what Julio mentioned there. We, we do require signage at the building storefronts that list a 24 hour emergency contact person and we require them to keep that up to date. Um, the operator is responsible for ensuring, you know, that there's no amplified sound, that they keep the site clean um, and they're supposed to report any, any loitering to, to the authorities as, you know, as needed. Uh, and the police conditions as well, the um, police department has, you know, they recommend or they require 
you know, uh, video surveillance of the you know, areas of ingress and egress, so all the driveways, the parking lot, all four sides of the buildings, uh, the adjacent rights of way, the drive-through windows, and any points of sale inside of the restaurants. Um, there is also a requirement by police that they have a private patrol operator that checks the site uh, no less than six times in 10 24 hour period. So yeah, in addition, there's also you know cameras during construction and all that. So and the, all those conditions are in the uh, conditional use permit section as well. Thank you. Thanks, Jose. Uh, Commissioner Yi. Thank you. Uh, let's start with the easy question. Uh, using this site plan as reference, uh, can you identify? I think I know where they are. Can you identify where the dumpster locations are? They're uh, the keynote number three. Uh, if you like the little hexagon number threes on the site plan. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're, I'm uh, pointing them out here. Three. One there. Mm -hmm. And there's one down here. Okay. And then there are two in the back of building B. Correct. Okay. Uh, and I apologize for not knowing the staff uh, report the conditions well enough to know. Uh, are there conditions as to when the dumpsters can be emptied? Days? There is there a restriction on uh, There uh, are, yes. Condition A10, uh, garbage pickup and truck delivery is prohibited. Um, prohibited within the hours of seven to nine and four to six. Seven? Seven to nine a.m. and four to six. And four to six p.m.? Mm-hmm. That's condition A-10 of the conditional use permit. Okay, uh, and that's regardless of days. So that's seven days a week. Correct. Okay. Uh, I do agree with Commissioner Chase in that the egress from the drive-through for building C, uh, I, I don't see a reasonable way of exiting uh, except through uh, the south um, driveway. Uh, the same almost is with uh, uh, building A, especially if you want to go north on Rayleigh. If you want to go south, uh, Yes, that middle driveway might work. You could get there. But if you want to turn left and head north, the only way to exit is through that north driveway and then on to Bell and then go somewhere. Uh, and being directly adjacent to residential, I believe it is, uh, it it is worrisome. I, I, uh, that is a primary issue concern I have with uh, this site plan. So uh, I would welcome other comments. Uh, uh, I believe, uh, Madam Vice Chair, that there are no other public comments uh, on this. There are no, okay. Uh, so, uh, at this point, because of those driveways, um, I am not inclined to support the project. 
and I yield. Thank you. Yes, Commissioner Yee. Uh, looks like we have comment or uh, response from the applicant. Um, yeah, if I could address that really quick. So um, this this whole site was designed as required by the city to try to be as pedestrian friendly as possible. So we did uh, add a lot of uh, crosswalks, trees, sitting areas, just made it really um, pedestrian friendly. And our experience in developing these type of projects is that we always try to separate delivery trucks, uh, any kind of large trucks away from the typical regular car. And so for that reason, we had everything going on the back of that building, <clears throat> which would, the trucks would either enter on Catherine and exit on Bell or go enter on Bell and exit on Catherine, but would not come back around the front of the big building. So we were encouraging that the whole front of the site would be, um, again, eliminating large traffic or trucks trying to use that area. So that's one of the reasons why it's laid out this way. Secondly, um, as you mentioned, Commissioner, we, we ran all the truck patterns and uh, movements of how these would work. And we know, again, doing these projects all over the place, we always get requests from the fast food pads of what they like, how they like the customers to come in, in and out. And we found that if we don't make it easy for them, the sites don't are not that successful. So pad A up on top, um, you're correct, they are gonna most likely exit that north driveway on Bell, um, which we ran the numbers, we don't see that being an issue. And building C, um, again, we'll most likely use the, that southern driveway on, on Catherine. All our studies, our traffic studies, our turning templates, our traffic counts do not, do not trigger any concern or red flag that that would be problematic. So we're, we're again, we're, you know, we're pretty confident in the layout. We've done these before and I know, I appreciate your, your concern and your comments, but I thought it was kind of like the reasoning for the layout of the site. Well, I, I appreciate the clarification and I guess I can only conclude by the cliche that I guess we'll agree to disagree. So thank you for your response. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Yee. Uh, next, uh, did uh, we have Senior Planner Garrett Norman. Did you want to comment uh, in, in addition to that? Thank you, Vice Chair Wallace. I actually wanted to give um, Pell Clark and Public Works an opportunity to discuss the driveway locations. Public Works did embark on a traffic analysis and he might be able to share some insight on why these driveways are located where they are and in proximity to the intersections on Bell and Rayleigh. Um, Pell, are you there to provide some insight to the commission, please? Well, the driveways, the big driveways on Neely. Okay, the big driveways on Rayleigh and Bell uh, are expected to take the majority of the traffic. Catherine Avenue, uh, we are requiring it to be constructed along their frontage to a commercial street, so it would be 59 feet. And we hired a traffic consultant in 2020 uh, they recommended minimum strip depth, so the distance between uh, the gutter and uh, the first plane contact for all the driveways checked out, the intersection at Rayleigh and Bell checked out. Uh, the traffic study resulted in recommendations that 
Raley and Bell have right in, right out only. Uh, there's channelization along north down, really. So, yeah, we did take a detailed look at it, and it checked out with our recommendations implemented, as you see here. Uh, the, the volume on Catherine uh, is expected to be delivery trucks and maybe exiting traffic from Building C. Uh, the majority of the traffic would be expected to be the wide driveway on Bell and Rayleigh. If I'm not infringing on the time for the next uh, commissioner speaking, uh, how, not to this project specifically, but how close to the intersection uh, is it good practice to have a driveway? You can only get so close to the intersection or else it becomes a hazard. What is that? dimension we have a design we do have a standard for it i don't have it handy i believe it's 120 feet what what do we have here about 280 from <clears throat> from the corner so those two driveways could be moved further to the east. Is that correct? Which driveway? The north and the south. Don't worry about the buildings. I'm, I'm worried about the streets, the corner. The north and south driveway could be moved further to the east. Is that correct? This is well, Sarah Laxford from Public Works. Uh, good afternoon again. So for the Bell Avenue, Bell Avenue is slated to have a right turn lane, and it's prohibited to have a driveway within the right turn lane area, including the taper. Okay. So we're, we're, we're restricted on, on that area. Because of, for, because of the turn aisle. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and, and then for the um, driveway on Catherine, we, on, on arterial roadway, there's a 250 foot, 250 foot uh, spacing requirement. And other than um, a arterial roadway, we review driveway spacing on a case by case basis. In this instance, we did in, uh, completed a traffic study analysis and I will have Pell talk more about that. Um, so there's a queuing and stacking requirement that may be um, may need to be complied with so and that typically dictates where we would allow a driveway to be located and and okay. Pell can talk more about what the queuing requirement is on Catherine Avenue thank you okay thank you okay um Commissioner Pluckybaum Thank you. Um, uh, a process question, uh, because there's only seven members present tonight, uh, if we do not get a unanimous vote in support of the project, what are the next steps? Can the applicant bring the project back at a future date, a date certain, or do we have to do something else? 
This is Stacia Cosgrove. Um, you can uh, vote to continue the item to uh, date certain in the future in order to have more commissioners present. If that's what we end up doing, what's the nearest date we could get? The next, the next hearing date is um, October 13th. There's also October uh, 27th. Those are the next Thank two dates. Thank you. Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, to hopefully, you know, not force this to come back, um, I'd like to follow up on Commissioner Yee's comments. Uh, again, I can't count how many shopping centers and retail projects I've designed over the years, uh, lots. Um, I'm wondering what, you know, again, back to my concern about Catherine Avenue and the residential, um, is it possible to, um, to relocate that uh, access driveway from Catherine from where it is uh, to the east to align with that main drive aisle coming down in front of building B. Uh, that would allow, you know, ease of exit and entry, also allow, uh, you know, exit from the building C drive through to make a, you know, a bit of a turn to get over and out of there. You know, I guess I would ask if that is a possibility. I don't know if that can be determined tonight, but. Um, well, I'm looking for a motion, I guess. Do we want to continue or do we want to take a vote? <laughs> if I may, um, Zara, could that driveway on Catherine be relocated further east or even perhaps be removed from the equation? Um, Zara or Pell, did the traffic study indicate that it has to have a driveway on Catherine? Would this site function without one? Or if it does need one, could it be relocated more centralized into the project site? Those are two questions I have for public works staff, please. Um, Zara Lapson again. Um, so when we were reviewing this project as part of the of, as part of the traffic study, the applicant has submitted a truck turning exhibit and which shows um, trucks coming in from Catherine and exiting out of Bell. So if we are to relocate this driveway, one of the items to be considered would be, would the truck still be able to make that turn? And then the other item that would be considered, and as I mentioned earlier, Pal Clark can, can um, chime in on this as well, uh, the queuing requirement, the staffing requirement required on Catherine Avenue, what did the traffic study assume? How much, how much vehicles are coming out and getting into from Catherine Avenue. And so we need to address that stacking as well. And so if, if the driveway is too close to the intersection where, where in they're not, they're exceeding or, or, or they're not deficient in the stacking any already, then traffic is gonna back up into the intersection and will eventually uh, affect Rainy Boulevard, which we do not want to create. Pal, do you want to um, chime in and add more to that? You know, what, what we have from the traffic study is that the usage of Catherine was expected to be minimal. Delivery trucks, maybe traffic best in the I-80 from Building C, uh, but the majority of the traffic would use the two main driveways. Pal, are you under the assumption, excuse me, Chair, um, Vice Chair, that um, the driveway is necessary in order for this shopping center to function? As it's laid out, yeah, because of the truck turning template. 
Okay. You don't you don't have the room for trucks to turn with the median we're proposing on Rayleigh. So that so that the truck, right the truck access goes is the primary access point for trucks to access the site. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's in on in on Catherine, out on Bell, or in on Bell and out on Catherine. Okay. So regardless, a shopping center is going to need some kind of an access point on Catherine um, for truck turning purposes. Anything more from Public Works? And still up. Okay. Not, yeah. Uh, Commissioner Macias Reed. Thank you, Vice Chair. Um, are are you only proposing to do sidewalks on the north side of Catherine Avenue? Is that going to be included in this um, in the improvements on this project? There are new sidewalk and new landscape strip along all frontages. Along all frontages. Correct. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, this is Sarah again. Um, yes, adjacent to the project. So the applicant will be, con it's conditioned to construct their side of, of the curb gathering sidewalk and planter. Right. Um, and you said there was a 250 foot uh, standard for commercial commercial uses because w what I I mean this is a you know again a, a street that doesn't have sidewalks currently and um, there are the homes that are immediately adjacent to this project are you know look definitely I drove through the area and they definitely look like they are multi-family homes um, my concern uh, is you know shared with Commissioner uh, Chase and Commissioner Yi that um, you're we if a, if we decide to approve this project this evening we're basically sending in you know possibly 18 wheel vehicles on a um, residential street impacting you know quite a bit of residents that might have be multifamily homes because of the volume of vehicles that are there. Um, and just, you know, for the for the single family homes. And, um, you know, that is just, it's just really concerning to me um, because we're impacting a residential neighborhood um, with potentially larger vehicles than what you would typically see in a residential neighborhood. Um, I understand the challenge of the site um, to be able to have that turn radius, but I also do not think that we should be sending uh, large delivery trucks down a residential neighborhood. So, you know, if I was going to support this project, I'd really like staff to look at and public works to look, you know, at the project and see what other options, if any, there are, because, um, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable uh, impacting what looks like an uh, already challenging street. Any comments from the applicant or staff? Yes. Uh, this is Julio Pinero. 
Um, okay, so um, I believe, and in, in engineering can talk to this, but I believe that Catherine is not a truck route. So in other words, they're not gonna have the big 18 wheelers come down that street. It's gonna be a typical uh, smaller trucks that are used for deliveries on non-truck route streets. Um, and, and he can, engineer can speak to that. Um, but the challenge we're having is when we would love to have the driveway where you're saying lined up with that front tile um, closer to Rayleigh, but based on our experience, we knew, I, and I believe I might've showed that originally in one of the original um, layouts, but because uh, we felt that would be a lot easier for people to get in and out, especially for building C, but that did not, that was too close. And we, it was kind of like a wish list for us and it got denied because for two reasons, too close to Rayleigh and the trucks couldn't make that S curve to get to the back of the building. So if we get rid of the access on Catherine, we're gonna, we're gonna really affect building C because then everybody who goes through that drive-through, like was mentioned earlier, can't make a U-turn. They'd have to exit all the way behind the building to go and their only exit point would be the north um, driveway on Bell, unless they go all the way around the building and come back down. And obviously these are designed for customer ease, customer satisfaction. You know, you want people to not have to figure out how to get out of a site. So we felt that the driveway on the south on Catherine is far enough from Rayleigh's, which wouldn't cause a problem. And it would give us a really good access or exit for building C, uh, specifically the drive-through. Now the other parking spaces would most likely go to the north and exit on Rayleigh or Bell, but anybody going southbound would exit there. But as far as the trucks, I wanna, it sounds, I wanna make sure you don't get the impression we're not having 18 wheelers, STAA trucks on the street. Um, if, can anybody from engineering comment on that? Well, I, I don't know that anybody would be able to make that determination on what delivery trucks the the businesses would be delivering there. Well, but from what I typically see, um, they're very large vehicles. Yeah, but we're required by, they're required to use truck routes, the, sp the big specific truck. There's a limit on the trucks and they know that when delivered. So they would use smaller delivery trucks um, if the STA truck were restricted on Catherine. So what, sorry, Vice Chair, I just want to clarify. So, so what it sounds like you're saying is that there would be restrictions that the operators themselves would have to um, be enforcing uh, in terms of the routes that, that you know, these delivery trucks are, are taking. Right. If, the, if these businesses know, if there's a restriction on the big 18-wheeler trucks from entering the site, then they have to make requests smaller delivery trucks. That happens all the time. Uh, same thing with the trash. Like you guys have the restrictions on the trash pickup. They work around that and they just say, okay, we're gonna work with what you guys are giving us. So they'll know going in what they need to work with, what conditions are put on this project. Uh, I'm sure, I, again, I, I'm, I, I don't wanna speak out of turn, but I think the engineering, they ran the templates and they saw that um, the trucks would fit in there, but we're not expecting huge trucks. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be like smaller delivery trucks that you see typically for these type of projects. 
Thank you, Vice Chair. That's all for now. Thank you, Commissioner Racines Reed. Um, I, I saw both uh, Zara and Garrett raise their hands, and I think it's probably in relation to that same line of questioning. I'll give them an opportunity. We'll go to um, Commissioner Pluckyball. Thank you, Vice Chair Wallace. Um, it is, we have conditioned projects on the past to restrict the size of truck that can have shopping centers, you know, when they're in locations such as this. So, um, and it sounds like the applicant perhaps would be amenable to add a condition to reduce the size of trucks that could um, access the site for delivery. So you don't get the, the large um, 18 wheeler trucks going down here. So I would like to ask if, um, could one confirm that with the applicant, if they would be open to a condition to, to reduce the size of the truck and to confirm that with public works, if, if they would be okay with such a condition and maybe they could um, describe scenarios in the past where we have conditioned projects to do this as well. Zara. This is Zara Lapson. We are we are acceptable to that. We've we've done that on some cannabis uh, applications, where we limit the size of vehicles um, that would be serving the site. We could do the same for this project. Great. Thank you. Um, okay. Next, we have Commissioner Pluckybaum. Uh, a question for the applicant. Um, if uh, it, it, it looks like, uh, you know, a couple of the commissioners tonight might not be in support of the project, um, would you prefer a, a continuance or a denial? Um, if it gets denied, what would be the next step? An appeal to the city council? Correct. Um, we just feel that, oh man, it's just that we, we've gone through all these options with staff and engineering, and I know the commissioners are here asking for another option but we've gone through so many options and i would hate for us to continue it and then we can't find those other alternate solution that works and then we're back to the, to the same layout but i don't want to get denied either so it's kind of like a catch-22 for us i mean i could if we continue it and we can um, I, I can show previous layouts or even staff has previous layouts the initial layouts that we've gone through different variations of this layout and it's not like this is the first one and everybody signed off on it. We definitely had a lot of back and forth changes on Julio, I don't think anyone doubts the, the level of effort you put in. It's it's a question of what can the site actually accommodate. And if the site can't accommodate uh, a good functioning retail project without access on the Kathleen, I'm not hearing support for it tonight. At a future meeting with more commissioners, you may have better odds, um, but that's a, you know, a, a business decision you have to make about um, the amount of time you wanna take on the project. Well, we started this, I know, as you guys know, there's a lot of delay. We started in 2018 and a lot of delays and COVID and all that, you name it. But um, I think, I mean, we would be open to continuing it just to make sure that we have the whole commission out. We'd be open to that instead of getting a denial. Speaking for the chair, I see the uh, city attorney pop on. Who usually pops on when I'm doing something bad. Not at all. Pardon the interruption. Just a procedural point of clarification. It wouldn't be an appeal to council. This item is requesting a recommendation to council because of the denial. Thank you. See, I did make a mistake. Right. This is what I get for speaking to the attorney. Sorry. So, excuse me, just to be clear. So then if it gets denied today, and then we would still go 
to the city council, but it would be with a, de a recommended denial decision. Correct. Um, I don't have the owner on the, the uh, I don't think he's on, on, on the call, so I can't really. Um, there's a couple um, other questions. Take some questions. questions from the rest of the commissioners and maybe you can come back, we can come back to you. Um, Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Vice Chair. Um, back to, and, and again, I think a number of us are concerned about the impact on Catherine Avenue. To that end, I wanted to ask the applicant uh, if they had done any outreach to the neighbors that live along the south side of Catherine and, and the residences there. Yes, um, that was part of the requirement that um, we were actually had to do an outreach to the neighborhood through the CPAC um, process. We did meet them. Uh, we had a couple of meetings. We wrote letters to everybody. We did um, door hangers on our, every neighborhood. We did have letters that were responded um, and we actually submitted those as part of the submittal package. So we, in overall, in all the neighbors that we spoke to, which was everybody around that 500 foot radius or whatever it was, we did not receive any negative comments regarding this development. The only comment we heard was today when we saw that there was a couple, um, one lady that, that spoke earlier. Okay, thank you for that. Sure. Thank you, Madam Vice Chair. Uh, thank you, Commissioner Chase. Uh, next we have Commissioner Yee. Thank you. Just a, a point of clarification as to my concern. And it is in part uh, the south side of Kathleen, but it's also the residents immediately adjacent to the west. Uh, we have major you know, traffic going through the north and south driveway uh, five feet from a, from a home. So, uh, you know, my, my concerns are not just focus on Kathleen. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Yee. Commissioner Boyd. Thank you. Uh, my question is, is there staff that is on that can actually speak to the legality of how many axled, uh, how many axled vehicles can be uh, driven on Catherine instead of um, asking for a condition for a box truck or some uh, a vehicle smaller than a um, tractor trailer. Is there someone that can speak to the legality of, again, how many axles a vehicle can have to drive down the suburban street of uh, Catherine Avenue at this location? So I'll take that that there is no staff that can speak to that. I, um, Garrett Norman, senior planner here. I am unaware of the weight limits, if you will, or vehicle size limitations there are for local roadways. I would defer to my colleagues in public works if they know what those limitations are. Um, uh, so far, public works. I'm not aware of any restrictions for number of axles um, or weight limits. Generally, trucks are allowed to depart from truck routes the shortest distance necessary to make it to business. 
Thank you for that. I was asked, um, well, you answered the question, but I was just trying to bring out if in fact there is any established um, limitations for the area um, having driven for um, FedEx, there are areas to where your limitation is uh, an immediate ingress and egress to a commercial property and beyond a certain point that you cannot take a vehicle of X amount of axles uh, any further. So that's why I was just checking to see if this particular area and Catherine, Catherine in particular had any uh, restrictions on it. Thank you. Looks like the applicant has a response. Yeah, so, um, you know, since you, the comment was brought up that maybe we can add a condition, <clears throat> would there be a way we can add a condition? Because the use permit is uh, allowed if we meet the conditions and we continue to meet that in the future. It, it can always be um, voided or denied. So we want, is there a way we can just say, because everybody's already reviewed this and we've got to go ahead from engineering, public works, traffic, everybody say it's not going to be an issue. But on paper, it looks like the commissioners have valid concerns that there's, there may be an issue. Can we condition the project that if it is an issue that, that we, re we close out for trucks exiting so the trucks have to come in off a belt? Can we do that? Mm -hmm. I'm willing to make a motion with some conditions. Zero locks in and public works is my yeah. We would have to make sure that the maneuvering on site will be satisfactory. Okay, so we need to do additional research. Yes, we need to run a turning template to make sure that the, the truck turning can be accommodated on site. Okay. Commissioner Macias Reed. Um, so I guess my question at this point is, um, it sounds like that could be a reasonable request, um, but that would require additional information gathering from the staff. Um, question and, and staff or Stacia, if anyone can clarify, if we continue this item, um, would we have to do a date certain or if we requested that we, you know, wanted to add some conditions to it and staff had to do some further research that you would then determine a date, how would that move forward? Right, you could make a motion to continue the item with direction to staff to look at what you'd like them to look at and then we would reschedule when that work is complete, we would re-notice um, for that new date. So that's one way you could do it. Okay. So uh, Vice Chair, I would like to make a motion um, to continue the item, but with a few conditions, uh, if I may. And one of them is to look into uh, the delivery vehicles not entering through Catherine Avenue, but to enter in through Bell. A 
exiting out of Catherine, I would also like to um, condition that there's not 24 hour usage of the drive throughs um, uh, or specifically on site C. Um, and because it's uh, so close to the residential. Um, and then I also would like to, um, I think, what is that? Oh, yeah, I think that was it. So no 24 hour. Um, and then, sure, again, sorry. yes, there's a, just one question I have, sorry. Um, is there the ability to condition the hours that the delivery trucks can um, come onto the property because again, if if I think the concern too is like uh, Commissioner Yi had mentioned, there is residential adjacent um, to the west of the property, and I know there's going to be a six foot buffer wall there, um, but it's so close to um, delivery trucks. I'm just curious if there's the ability to condition the time frames with which delivery trucks can come in in through that property. I would think yes, uh, if you tied it to one of the findings related to site plan and design review. Okay, um, so then if we can um, condition it uh, to the site plan and design review requirement, just I think again, my concern is the um, the, the proximity to, to the residential. So I guess to clarify all of that, Vice Chair, um, I'm making a motion to continue the item uh, with the conditions for staff to come back and look into the feasibility of delivery trucks entering in through Bell and exiting out of Catherine, um, limiting the time for delivery as to not impact the adjacent residential um, neighborhoods, and to uh, to ask for no 24-hour uh, usage on the drive-through component. Thank you, Commissioner Macias Reed. Uh, is that public works? Is that feasible? Um, Commissioner Reed, uh, what sort of time frame are you looking for for limiting the trucks? Because public works already have a condition of approval on the CUP. That oh, limits my apologies. Can you? Can you? Uh, Sorry, um, can you let me know what that condition is? I'm looking then, at right now. We, we're limiting delivery trucks and garbage garbage trucks uh, on site from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. and from 4 a.m. to 6 p.m. Oh, I'm sorry. We already discussed that. That is correct. Okay, yeah, that's, that's fine with me. So we could remove um, that as a condition. All right, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Yi. To the maker of the motion, uh, maybe a, 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 for your consideration, the exit on Kathleen, could we make that a left-hand turn only? You know, it would be a shame to have a right-hand turn to cut down Kathleen to hit Marysville Boulevard. So if the, and, and further, you know, cutting through the residential area, so the, the driveway exit on Kathleen uh, is a left turn exit only to minimize impact on the community. I very much agree with that um, consideration. So yes, let's please add that to the research um, that staff would would consider, that Public Works would need to re uh, consider. Thank you. 
Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Vice Chair. Um, I, I think I, I, I would agree with the uh, comment that the Commissioner Yee just had. I wanted to jump back. I know there's a request to uh, restrict uh, any 24-hour use on the site. I, I think the only restriction on that site probably would be need to be on Building C. Um, building A, if that's a drive through I think it's far enough away from any residential that I don't think that would be a problem. I, yes, if, yeah. if, there is a, if there is a limitation of 24-hour, I'd, I'd specifically limit that to Building C. Yes, thanks for the clarification, Commissioner Chase. Okay, uh, Commissioner Boyd. I do have a question in regards to the um, condition that was just proposed. Wouldn't it be less of an impact on the community if in fact the ingress actually happened off of Catherine, Catherine and the uh, egress happened onto Bill because you would, uh, the effect would just be, what is that one house that uh, that is sitting there just prior to Bill versus what is that five or six uh, homes coming, uh, making the left onto Catherine? That was a question, I'm sorry. For the are, you, are you trying to clarify the motion? It was, it was a question, my apologies, it was a question for the um, uh, maker of the condition. W wouldn't the impact be lessened to the residents of Catherine if in fact the ingress happened on Catherine and the uh, egress happened on Bill? So I, I think that's what we're trying to get clarification on from staff, which is why we're um, requesting to continue the item, is for them to see if we can do a one-way in, one-way out um, versus having them all come in, um, you know, from from one area. Is, is that, does that answer your question? No, only because the, the as with uh, your condition, or excuse me, uh, your um, merit of wanting the condition is mm -hmm. to decrease the, the mitigate or to decrease the impact uh, for the residents on Catherine, correct? So if the vehicles are going to exit on Catherine, as Commissioner Yee had brought up, and mm -hmm. uh, making it a left-hand turn, so you're now driving in front of the row of houses until you hit Rayleigh Boulevard, mm -hmm. versus coming into the complex on Catherine, which you're on the opposite side of the street, not as severely impacting those row of houses and either a loop about and come, uh, well not loop about, but uh, a straight through exiting onto Bill to which you uh, the trucks may impact that one house sitting on the corner depending upon wherever the exit is going to be drawn in. Okay, I see what you're saying. Um, but I think that the, that's the question that I really want to ask staff and, and public works in particular is to look at this because um, either way you're going to have a vehicle coming out from either in or out from Catherine Avenue. So um, 
I guess, you know, the question is, what is the lesser impact? Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't be the one to answer that question. I think that would be a public public works question. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, Commissioner Chase. Um, thank you, Vice Chair. Yeah, following up on Commissioner Boyd's comments, I, I agree with his logic there, but I think there would be less impact if any traffic coming in is on the, the, the north side of that street as opposed to right in front of the driveway to those houses. So I think that approach is good. I, I guess my only concern is, and perhaps this is up to the applicant to go back and look at things, uh, that would uh, uh, negate the ability of the traffic exiting Building C drive through since we've already determined that there's not, it cannot make a U-turn where it is. Uh, it is actually forced to make a left turn other than sending it all the way, you know, behind the building, uh, you know, to exit off uh, the, the north side. Probably not the best way to do it, but but I think it introduces that that conflict and perhaps that's something we just, we let the, um, the, the applicant address uh, as they go back and rework this. All right, looking for a second here on the motion. Can I second it? <laughs> Commissioner Chase. Could we could we clarify the uh, the motion now with the uh, the modifications? Sure. So we need some help from staff, I think, here on this. Can we give it a try? <laughs> I can give it a try. I, I'm happy to clarify. Yeah, please. I'm happy to do so. Uh, so the motion is to continue the item with staff to research. Um, you know, basically at this point sounds like ingress, egress, whether it's coming in through Catherine and exiting Bell or coming in through Bell and exiting Catherine. Um, note with a condition for no 24 hour service on site C and to condition a left turn only out um, of Catherine Avenue. Commissioner Plessy. Before we take the vote, I just wanted to give uh, the applicant one last chance if uh, he wanted to request a, a motion to uh, recommend denial and just move on to the council. So um, we're uh, we're open to the continuance of the item. Good, glad to hear it. Thanks. Thank you, Commissioner Pluckybaum. I forgot I was giving him time to do that. <laughs> uh, Commissioner Chase. Uh, the, uh, the project motion, as uh, just uh, described by um, uh, Commissioner. Thank you. All right, um, let's call a roll call vote. Commissioner Boyd? Aye. Commissioner Chase? Aye. Commissioner Lindsay? Aye. Commissioner Macias Reed? Aye. Commissioner Pluckybaum? Aye. Commissioner Yee? Aye. Vice Chair Wallace? Aye. Motion passes. Thank you. Thanks, all. Okay. Gonna get to the next item. Uh, we're uh, continued the 
following two items. So we're in the next item is number six on the agenda, uh, Curtis Park Village PUD Flex Zone Schematic Plan Amendment. Uh, are there any uh, commissioner recusals or disclosures? Uh, commissioner Yee. I exchanged email with a community member and had a conversation with staff. Uh, both instances were uh, uh, on topics contained already in a staff report. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Pluckybaum. Same. All right, thanks. Um, <clears throat> Commissioner, your hands up again, but I assume it's just butterfingers. <laughs> Uh, okay, we have staff report. Danny. Yeah, good evening, Chair and members of the Commission. I am Danny, Ann, Danny Abbas and the planner for this project. Uh, it is a request to amend the Curtis Park Village Plan Unit Development Schematic Plan to designate the remaining two and a half acres of flex zone property for residential use. The site is located at the northwest corner of Proctor Drive and 10th Avenue. Staff received, um, well, actually, let me go back. Um, <clears throat> The flex zone, uh, it was initially created uh, in recognition that development was not expected to occur for several years and the market conditions could shift over time. Uh, in 2010, council determined that the schematic plan should be amended to establish a future, uh, future land use for the flex zone area. Staff received emails and a phone call from community members regarding the project. The emails opposed residential use of the site and high density housing. These emails can be found as supplemental material on the online agenda. Uh, the phone call asked that the site be or include affordable housing units. Uh, staff also received a comment from regional transit uh, that future residents would benefit from easy access to light rail service. There is not a requirement to construct affordable housing at the site, uh, though the developer could opt uh, for affordable housing. In 2010, uh, an inclusionary housing plan was approved as part of the Curtis Park Village plan unit development by city council, which resulted in 90 senior affordable housing units uh, on the uh, immediately adjacent flex zone parcel one. Uh, <clears throat> planning staff believes residential is an ideal future use, future use of the site that would provide residents convenient access to uh, Sacramento City College, a light rail station, uh, Curtis Park and commercial services while enhancing uh, area restaurant and retail vitality. Staff recommends the commission forward a recommend, uh, staff recommends the commission, yeah, forward a recommendation uh, of project approval to city council. Uh, that concludes the presentation. Uh, the applicant has indicated uh, that they would like to say a few words. Uh, both staff and the applicant would be available afterwards for any potential questions. Thank you. Thank you. The applicant presentation. Paul, you're on mute. Good evening, Planning Commission. Uh, my name is, can you hear me now? Good evening, my name is Paul Petrovich. I am um, the developer for the Crocker Village Project. Uh, when I started it in 2003, um, with any luck, this would be the last time I come before the Planning Commission for the last parcel for this project. Um, just some quick history. 
the original 2010 EIR studied uh, 330,000 square feet of retail, and 250 room hotel, and about 500 single family residents uh, to be built there. Now we're in the final stage of the project, and um, the flex zone was the last piece to fall into place. And several years ago, I think it was maybe eight or nine years ago, um, of the original five acres that were flex, um, we asked to have converted two and a half acres of it to the affordable housing component, which as noted, the, uh, there are 90 affordable housing units on the project now. And it, I, I'm proud to say that it was the very first thing we built in the project. Um, we didn't wait until it had to be built. We did it first. Um, <clears throat> over the years, the density of the site has changed. We had a 330-unit apartment complex approved in the original uh, EIR and approvals back on December 10th, 2010. That process was a five-year entitlement process that concluded with a 2,300-page final EIR. Um, over the time, um, we have looked at, you know, healthy retail amounts, and by eliminating half of the flex zone, which has an underlying zoning of SC, um, shopping center, we turned that, as I said, into affordable housing. So that took the project potential for retail from 330,000 down to 240,000. And now at this final step of, um, asking for the designation for residential for the last 2.5 acres. Um, the project now would have 179,000 square feet of retail other, you know, far, far less than the 330,000 square feet that was originally approved and that the EIR studied. The traffic report, there were seven traffic engineers involved in this project. There was um, six that scoped it and one that performed the study um, leading up to the 2010 approval. And we yet did another traffic report uh, when the gas station was coming forward for Safeway. And based upon the densities that have been reduced throughout the project, it was determined, I believe in 2015, that the infrastructure for the site was now 30% larger than would otherwise be necessary had we sought the approvals for what is actually being built. Um, I believe there was one comment from the public about um, this site becoming residential or high density, causing a traffic issue. Um, I think we all as professionals understand that shopping center development creates far greater peak hour traffic issues than residential. So by now reducing it to residential, we are yet lowering again that threshold um, to increase the to increase the capacity of the infrastructure beyond the 30% reduction that we've already achieved. Um, as far as affordable housing goes, um, as staff pointed out, we do have that one project there. And even if we built this out at uh, the highest density un allowed under the SC zoning, we would still have excess uh, affordable housing units um, covered by the 15% requirement, which I might add 
um, the affordable housing requirement included included us adding more affordable housing units for the 90 affordable housing units that were being built, meaning the 90 didn't satisfy just the afford the, the fair market value um, housing. We also had to provide affordable for the affordable. So it, we are way beyond um, typical affordable um, requirements in most jurisdictions. Um, I'm happy to say that after 17 years from the initial application, that this is actually what the community was asking me to do to begin with. They did not want as much commercial at this location. And by converting half of the flex to affordable housing and the other half to um, market rate housing, which will be single family, by the way, um, they are, in essence, uh, I'm in essence meeting what they would have wanted uh, to begin with. I just didn't know what the market was going to be um, starting in 2005 when I made my original application. Um, I think that covers the public comments that I read. Um, if there's any questions you have of me, uh, I'd be happy to answer them. Um, but I'm anxious to get on and build this last section of land as another. I just want to say the project won 14 national awards for best community design and the best home design in the country in 2021. Um, we won the 59th Golden Nugget Award for you, for you guys that are architects. I think you understand what that is over all housing types, not just what we built. We won um, the National Home Builders Association uh, Home of the Year um, in our in our homes that are on the north side of the project, and the BIA also bestowed upon us the National Best Community and Best Home Design. I, I don't think any project has ever swept all 14 categories uh, nationally, um, other than Crocker Village. Thank you. Um, we're gonna go to commissioner questions. I have commissioner Chase. Uh, thank you, uh, Vice Chair. Um, Paul, first of all, congratulations on all the awards. Uh, quite familiar with the project. Um, I wanted to ask if you could clarify your comment about affordable housing triggering more affordable housing. I didn't quite understand that. Unlike um, any other government agency that I deal with, and I deal with 20 different ones, City of Sacramento actually requires you to provide affordable housing units, not just for the market rate housing, but also for the number of units of affordable housing you build. And it makes okay. no sense. It makes zero sense. But I might have only normally needed, well, whatever 15% of 90 is, which is probably uh, 13, 14, I had to build an additional 14 units um, to satisfy the 90 affordable units. So instead of having 76 units, I had to build 91 to satisfy the affordable requirement for the affordable housing. Okay, yeah, thanks for that clarification. Sure. All right, I don't see any other commissioner questions. Uh, commissioner E. 
Hi, Joe. <laughs> You're muted again, Commissioner Yee. Uh, well, I was apologizing for, for perhaps not being able to develop a uh, succinct uh, question, so I'll stumble through that, but now I'm obligated to apologize for not having my mic on. So, uh, in the shopping center zone, uh, it allows for multi-unit dwellings, dorms, residential care facilities, and single-unit duplex development um, mobile home parks, etc., requires a conditional use permit. Uh, you had mentioned what is your vision for residential? What type of residential will be here? Um, I can answer that directly, and I will. I, I was I was hesitating about that because it was not a requirement to identify that now, but to actually do it through the process. But what our plan is as of today, in order to meet the density requirements um, of the project, because there was some minimum density there, um, we are taking, but knowing that, you know, so many things have happened since the project was approved in 2010, the, the most important one obviously being the pandemic. And Apartment dwelling is, and a, you know, working from home is, is a big, big thing, obviously. So apartments to me are, are not as good as single family uh, for a community. So what we're, our plan is, is to submit an application if the city council approves this and the planning commission recommends approval, is to build units that are similar to the brownstones that are across the street on Crocker Drive, but in a slightly different um, configuration as to the number of dwelling units. For example, um, we would have a 500 square foot ground floor flat that would be an independent unit. And above it would be a two story, 800 square foot each floor um, housing unit. So there, in essence, would be three, three units per structure, and there'd be two the two of those types of structures together, with open space in between. So it'd be a monolithic structure instead of the brownstones being one unit with three floors. This would be two units with three floors, and a two-car garage um, underneath it, behind so a five hundred square foot flat. So with your two units together, two buildings together, there would be six dwelling units? Four. Four, okay. So my next question is then, uh, what are the costs and perhaps design and perhaps approval challenges if you elected to make some of those affordable. Because, you know, as you have said, your ground floor unit is 500 square feet and probably not being able to get too much smaller than that. No. What is the impact of uh, converting, designating some of those to affordable? Well, 
um, many communities, um, I don't believe Sacramento is one, consider anything around 450 to 500 square feet as by nature affordable. And I believe we're by its nature offering more affordable units by having that 500 square foot flat on the bottom without designating it as such. However, based upon the number of affordable units we've already provided, we project-wide have covered the 15%. And, and I acknowledge that by saying this is a bit, uh, you know, a discretionary yes. uh, 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 issue here, but I wanted to explore and and given that there are fewer and fewer opportunities for urban infill and the general plan goal of diverse housing types of diverse social economic um, residents communities and knowing that in that particular area uh, housing is very expensive. Uh, housing types are probably fewer than you might hope. I mean, that's just how the area developed. This is an opportunity then to try to um, expand those and try to, and acknowledging what you've done with the 91 affordable units already, acknowledging that is to further provide opportunities in an area that may not have as many as we have hoped. Um, in, in conversation with others, uh, it seems that we, the commission can, might be able to, and, and maybe the deputy city attorney can jump in, uh, make that a condition of uh, the flex uh, plan uh, amendment. I'm not really prepared to go there. I want to have this conversation maybe as a precursor to the next step so that no one is surprised so that you can plan for it if you choose to do so. Uh, I am not of the mind that it's, well, I'll speak for myself. I am not prepared to make it a condition. I think the reality is, and we all know the reality of housing, housing affordability in this city. This is probably the last large opportunity enhance that again acknowledging your 91 units and so if your plan is to come back for a conditional use permit for the housing type that you have described and acknowledging that 500 square feet is probably in that affordable range you know what you have there is 91 apartments in senior housing that's not that's one housing type for one group. Uh, I would hope that it can expand to provide opportunities for a larger constituency. Well, 
Joe, I, I think we have gone the extra mile by designing it this way rather than simply going for the most money because the most money for the site would be to simply continue the smaller detached single family units that we have abutting the site to the north. Those are 1,620 square foot single family, we call them cottages. They're directly north and we have 109 of them. Um, that would have been the easiest home run, make the most money approach. But in planning this, we wanted to address exactly what you're saying, but do it by physically restricting the size with the 500 square feet on the ground floor. Um, and also having the connection to Sac City where students and even faculty, because they don't get paid a whole lot at Sac City either, um, could um, own or rent the bottom floor flat and not need a car. Um, or minimum wage employees, or even the union employees that work at Safeway. Uh, there's 200 employees at Safeway. They could also afford to live in the flat. Um, so I think we've done a, a pretty darn good job of starting with the least dense properties on the very north, increasing the density as we move south. And rather than go to commercial, you know, add to the housing stock and do it in a manner that is probably, um, I think our density is going to end up being 32 or 40 to the acre um, on this site, which is taking advantage of an infill site. Now, let's realize this is two and a half acres. This isn't 10 acres. Um, you know, is it one of the largest remaining infill sites in the city? I don't know. Um, but we'll be creating affordable housing in probably the nicest, newest neighborhood that's been built in a while, adjacent to Curtis Park and Land Park, which are the wealthiest enclaves in the area. Um, so, well, if, I, if, I, I, if I took, let's just say the city council or the planning commission decided to require me to do affordable, and I, and I appreciate the fact that you're not going there more than you realize, I would withdraw the application because I'm not going to fight for bond financing and have to build a prevailing wage, which is a requirement to actually meet those, those AMI standards for affordable housing. I look at affordable housing, to be honest with you, as a racket. The fees that the affordable housing developers charge and build into the bond financing and everything else. It's not my business model. Well, let, let's maybe bring it back to my point. Uh, because your vision requires conditional use permits sometime in the near future, I hope, uh, I would hope that in your discussion of that, and I think we're getting ahead of ourselves, so I need to be very careful and, and cut this short. Uh, this affordability issue 
whether official or whatever, uh, could be part of your thought process and part of your presentation to us. So I, I think I've taken up enough time yeah. and have, I hope, in all this, clearly identify my concern. So you know, I think I'm going to shoot myself in the foot right here and now. I've got bandages. No, not shoot you, shoot my own foot. But oh. I may need to borrow them. Um, once a schematic plan is approved for recommendation to the city council, the city council just says, yes, it's going to be residential. There is no conditional use permit. If I wanted a mobile home park or one of those other type uses that you were referring to, but as long as I stay within the density of the shopping center zone, which we fully intend to, my next step is with Bruce Monaghan to show him the designs and so forth re related to the site and then go to building plans. So uh, question to Danny then, am I mistaken in that uh, the building type that uh, the applicant has articulated does not require conditional use permit? Uh, I, I don't believe you're mistaken. Um, the, you had mentioned earlier that uh, what is permitted in the in the SC zone uh, mm -hmm. were uh, dormitories, residential care facilities, and multi-unit dwellings. Uh, I was a little unclear on the design. Without without being able to see it, it's, it's a little bit uh, unclear. I was trying to um, understand the description of it. Uh, so, so I can't tell if, in fact, we would designate uh, what sounds like might be likely to be proposed as uh, some sort of single unit or duplex dwelling, or if we would designate that as multi-unit dwelling. But uh, nonetheless, the other residential types um, in the staff report, such as mobile home, and there are a few others, uh, those would require a conditional use permit uh, within the SC zone. Okay. All right, thank you, uh, I yield. Thank you, Commissioner. <clears throat> uh, let's go to public comment. Madam Clerk, do we have any um, folks waiting to comment on this item? Yes, thank you. We do currently have one hand raised. Our first speaker is Rachel Iskow. Rachel, please unmute. It's your turn to speak. Vice Chair, I have asked Rachel to unmute. It appears she may be having some um, audio issues. Okay, um, well, I'll give it a few more seconds. Should we go to commissioner comments and then um, see if she can resolve those issues? Sure. Okay, let's do that. Do we have any additional commissioner comments? 
or motions. It's a quiet night. Uh, Commissioner Chase. Thank you, Vice Chair. I just want to mention, while I I, I think totally agree with uh, Commissioner Yee's desires and goal to uh, you know to kind of obtain a maximum amount of affordable housing on the project. Um, having designed a lot of affordable housing over the years, I I, I agree with the comments of Pony. It costs more. Uh, the the, uh, the the steps you have to go through to get the bond financing. Uh, there are a number of people involved in the process. You know, it's it, it is it is a challenge. I think what we're hearing here from the applicant is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, providing affordability by design. By design being, you know, smaller units. <clears throat> um, and uh, you know, are, are we guaranteeing what those you know rents are going to be or sales in the future? No, we're not. But but I think by size, uh, it is going to certainly affect the amount that can be charged by the applicant for either <clears throat> the sale or the rental of them. So I, I tend to, um, you know, not want to require uh, the affordability uh, condition. I think that uh, Commissioner Yee is looking for, uh, and and rely on the fact that the uh, that the size will, by definition, uh, uh, you know, provide a certain a level of affordability. 500 square foot unit is certainly not going to rent out or sell for the same price as a 1500 square foot house. So uh, that's, thank you, that's all. Thank you, Commissioner Chase. I have a clarifying question for staff. Um, in the event that the um, applicant uh, does not build affordable housing, the, what is the requirement to contribute to the affordable housing fund? That's a good question. Um, most current projects uh, do contribute um, housing impact fees during the uh, as part of the permit fees. Uh, this project is a little bit more unique because um, it, it was part of an inclusionary housing agreement. Uh, so staff needs to look further into uh, whether in fact that housing impact fee would be assessed as part of this project. So we're not sure right now whether or not that applies to this project because of the nature and the length of time, essentially. Uh, good evening, Vice Chair Wallace, members of the commission, Greg Sandlin, planning director. I'm almost certain that this project, if it builds housing, it would be subject to the current mixed income housing ordinance and would pay the housing impact fee. And that fee would be determined based on square footage of the entire project? Yeah, it's a per square foot fee. Great. Thank you. Um, Madam Clerk, I have a note that the um, Commenter uh, from the public, Rachel, is trying to call in. And I don't know if, uh, via phone as opposed to online. I don't know if you can check. 
Thanks, Vice Chair. Um, I currently still see Rachel in our attendee list with her hand raised. I do not see um, a phone number online currently, and I have given Rachel the ability to speak and unmute. We do currently have a, an additional hand raise. Would you like me to take that speaker? Yes, please. Um, our next speaker is Peter Orlean. I'm going to try and make a comment. And that fee would be determined based on the square footage of the entire project? Yeah, it's a per square foot fee. Great. Peter, it's your turn to speak. Madam Clerk, I have a note that the um, commenter uh, from the public, Rachel, is trying to call in. I don't know if uh, via phone as opposed to online. I don't know if. Thanks, Vice Chair. Um, I currently still see Rachel in our attendee list with her hand raised. I do not see um, a phone number online currently, and I have given Rachel the ability to speak and unmute. We do currently have a, an additional hand raise. Would Peter, you like please turn down your audio and speak. Peter Orlean. Okay. Uh, hi, am I getting through here? You are. Excellent. Uh, my name is Peter Orlean. I live in one of the uh, Curtis Park Village brownstones. Okay. Um, am I, uh, can you hear me? You need to turn down your volume on the um, computer so that we can hear you. Okay, how about that? There you go. Okay, I'm Peter Orlean. I live in one of the brownstones in Curtis Park Village. I'm on the uh, board of directors of the Homeowners Association. And uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, compliment uh, Mr. Petrovich on the uh, success of this magnificent development. I think it's a great achievement. I'm also... Um, thrilled to uh, hear about some of the plans for this remaining two and a half acre lot. Um, we'd obviously in this community um, prefer to have people living across the street rather than a gas station. And I would like to address the, uh, or just make a point about the controversy that surrounded this development and the um, prospect of a gas station being inserted somewhere. I think one major problem has been that no one really knew where that gas station was supposed to be. A lot of people actually assumed it would be at 10th and Crocker uh, where the new development is. And I'm, I'm perhaps on behalf of our entire community uh, really excited about Mr. Petrovich's uh, plans to put in housing. Basically housing, uh, we'd rather have people there than a gas station. Um, so um, speaking for myself, my wife, and maybe a lot of other residents uh, were, uh, I'm, I'm very supportive of this proposal. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Vice Chair, I'll go ahead and try um, Rachel again and ask her to unmute. 
Is that the 4252? Um, I'll go ahead and give that number the ability to speak. Okay, thank you. Last four digits, 4252. Hello. Uh, good evening, commissioners, staff. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> I kept unmuting. Um, I, this is Rachel Isco, and I live on 24th Street, a couple of blocks from this parcel. And I do understand the desire to convert the parcel to residential use, and I appreciate um, the, um, the desire to have the smaller units also. But the reason many jurisdictions don't count these small un units as affordable housing is that when an affluent family buys a home with an accessory unit, an attached small unit or in-law unit, there is no assurance that that will be used as affordable housing for low-income persons. Um, often it's for a family member or home office. And if it is rented, it's unregulated. Um, so it's not affordable housing and it's open to violations of fair housing. Um, in other words, uh, people are racist when they, um, they when they're moving when they're renting to someone who's going to live um, in close proximity to their own family. So um, the city, I, I urge uh, you as commissioners to take your power and use this uh, place a condition on this parcel that fits the gets us to the city's vision of housing uh, of incomes, mixed income neighborhoods are this portion of the city, Curtis Park, Crocker Village, it has become so much more elitist, more bigger homes, more affluence. And it's, it's just a travesty that the people who work in uh, Crocker Village, who work in our homes, cleaning and maintaining our lawns and the laborers constructing cannot live here because the only affordable housing that um, Mr. Petrovich was willing to consider was for elderly people. We desperately need housing, affordable housing for uh, low wage workers here in our neighborhood for low income people. And I urge you to put a requirement on this parcel um, to help us um, get some diversity here in our neighborhood. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments. Vice Chair, we have no additional speakers. Okay, thank you. Uh, let's go back to uh, commissioner uh, comments or motions. Uh, looks like we have um, Bob Chase, Commissioner Chase. Uh, thank you, uh, Vice Chair. A question perhaps for Greg. Uh, would the, as I understand it back then when this was approved, it was an inclusionary um, uh, housing element as opposed to a fee in lieu. Is that correct, Greg? Would you say? When, yeah, when this project was approved and entitled, it had an inclusionary plan um, and then a, eventually a recorded inclusionary housing agreement and um, with the development of the affordable senior units, they fulfilled that plan to my knowledge so okay so so that existing inclusionary element would not necessarily apply uh to this uh housing not to my knowledge no okay all right thank you
I'm sorry. However, it would trigger uh, it would trigger a fee and move. Would it? That's my understanding. Yes, and we can okay. look Thank into you. that further just to clarify. Um, that's going to happen when building permits are are submitted and the fee is assessed at that at that point. Okay. Thank you. Uh, the applicant has their hand up. I want to uh, want to give them an opportunity to clarify or um, comment. Thank you, uh, Madam Chair. Um, I did the math and I counted the units. The whole 72 acre project was subject to an inclusionary housing ordinance of 15%. Um, the 90 affordable units, and it's unfortunately that, you know, attacks are made um, on me relative to the type of affordable housing. That was a demand made upon me by the Curtis Park neighborhood, SCNA, to only have seniors in that affordable housing complex and not have it available to all age groups. So I went along with what they wanted because they claimed it was their community and they wanted to control the type of people that couldn't afford to live in their homes to be in that affordable housing complex. Second of all, the entire 72 acres is subject to the ordinance and there will be no fees collected at building permit for the flex zone for the following reason. The 90 affordable units that were built and provided support 600 market rate housing units for the entire project. If you take the 289 units that have been built and then add to it the 91 affordable housing units on top of that, that is only 381 out of the 600 unit capacity we have based on the 90 units that were constructed and are leased. So as long as the flex zone does not exceed 220 units on two and a half acres, I have satisfied the inclusionary housing ordinance already by design. So I have met and exceeded the affordable housing ordinance requirement for the entire project. And I did it 15 years ago. And I'm just now fulfilling the amount of market rate housing that can be put on the site based upon that enormous investment. I hope that clarifies the affordable housing component and this project. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Plucky Baum. Given where we're at with the housing crisis, uh, you know, the, the applicant has made it clear uh, that um, he wouldn't move forward with the project uh, if, if we uh, tried to encumber it with any more affordable. And uh, some housing is better than no housing. Um, I, I'm not sure that we could even um, make a defensible uh, condition to, to require affordable. So I'm going to move staff recommendation. All right, we have a motion. Uh, Commissioner Macias Reed. I uh, agree with Commissioner Pluckybaum's comments and I second the motion. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, is there any other Commissioner comments? <laughs> um, I, I want to comment and then um, I think 
If there's no other comments, we can call for a roll call vote. Uh, I appreciate the legal restrictions that we're encumbered by in this, but I would encourage the applicant to pursue perhaps some non-traditional approaches to um, making it possible for people uh, that are low income that work in those communities to have access to that housing, either through a marketing campaign to see if there's um, an opportunity to partner with some of the businesses nearby. Um, I really appreciated the work that Nikki Mahana did with 19J in Midtown. Um, she partnered with Women's Empowerment and the women who um, who take advantage of the affordable units there, which are not um, not required, um, also uh, achieve some job training through that program. So I think there's ways to um, be creative and um, I appreciate that we need to build additional housing. So I will be supporting the motion. And with that, um, please call the vote. Thank you. Commissioner Boyd. Aye. Commissioner Chase. Aye. Commissioner Lindsay. Aye. Commissioner Macias Reed. Aye. Commissioner Pluckybaum. Aye. Commissioner Yee. Aye. Vice Chair Wallace. Aye. Motion passes. Excellent. Thank you, Stacia. Thank you, sir. Okay, now we're on to the discussion calendar for tonight. This is item number seven. It's the 2023 planning and zoning work program. And we get a presentation from Danny. <laughs> right. Thank you, Chair Wallace. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. <laughs> um, I'll share my screen. Keep going on this. Oh, it says screen two. Good, uh, Madam Chair, can I ask a question before Greg uh, gets into this? Absolutely. Um, I spoke with um, uh, Stacia earlier today. I've got some obligations that would you know, take me off of this call now. <laughs> I understand there may not be, I don't know if it's an action item, but there may not be a quorum. Uh, could Stacia or Greg, could you tell me what the effect would be if I do uh, exit now? <laughs> that uh, I think will I will defer to our good attorney Jeff Heron to uh, confirm whether we can continue to um, have the meeting without a quorum. Unfortunately, Commissioner, no. That would force an adjournment. Uh, you must have a quorum to even hear an item, even though there's no action. Um, uh, I appreciate that you have an obligation, Commissioner Chase. We are also very light on commissioners, obviously. <laughs> um, and some of the folks that couldn't be here tonight, I think are probably pretty interested in this content. Um, is it possible for us to just continue this to the next meeting? Uh, yes, we can. Um... I was prepared anyways in light of the heavy agenda tonight. So um, and we'll have more commissioners to weigh in. Um, so yeah, I, it's it's definitely possible to do so. Okay, so we need to make a motion for that? Uh, I don't think any motion is needed since no action is required. Um, oh, just adjourn. Sure. Because... On the, 
the agenda on the 13th. Great. Okay. Um, does that mean it's an immediate adjournment, Jeff? Since Bob's left. <laughs> Jeff, you're on mute. I did it. But yes, that, a quorum call wouldn't do any good because the commissioner will have left. So it would require an immediate okay. cancellation adjournment. All right. Or we, or we can adjourn because Bob is still here. <laughs> um, so then, then we would just adjourn right now? You've got. I don't know how much time he has. He's got commissioner comments and public comments matters on the agenda. Maybe. You yeah, that's what I was. Yeah, I was going to do know. that. If you have, do you have time, do you have time for us to do that, Bob? Yes, I do. Great. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, so that uh, will be continued to the next meeting, and uh, now we will have. Um, do we have any speakers for public comments matters not on the agenda, Madam Clerk? Thank you, Vice Chair. We have no members of the public with their hands raised. Thank you. All right. Uh, do we have anybody from the commission who would like to speak on matters not on the agenda? All right. Seeing, seeing none, we are adjourned. Thank you all for your consideration. Thanks, everybody.